Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Good evening, good evening. I'd like to welcome you guys to the Tuesday night TBCF live broadcast. We are here to rightly divide the word. So thank you guys for, for, for those of you that are tuned in online, those of you that have showed up here in the building tonight with us. Um, thank you for, for coming with the heart of expectancy, ready to dig in and receive everything that God has for you tonight. Amen. Before we get into tonight's study, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for another opportunity to come into your house, Lord, to, to be in your presence, Lord. We thank you that, that you have uh, just, just divinely appointed this time for us to, to meet with you, Lord, to grow in your word, Lord. We ask that as your word comes forth tonight, as we, as we open up the scriptures, Lord, as we walk through the scriptures, Father, that you would just reveal to us by your spirit of truth, Lord, what it is that you would have us to receive tonight, Father, that we would leave this place with a greater revelation of who you are and your will and your purpose and your plan for our lives. Lord, we thank you for giving us a mind to understand, for you have given us the mind of Christ. We thank you for giving us eyes to see, for you, you are the, the, the opener of blind eyes. We thank you, Father, for, for giving us a, a heart to believe, Father, for you are the source of our faith, and, and uh, you, you can help, you're the only one that can help our unbelief, Father. And we thank you for giving us uh, 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 the, the eyes of understanding to be able to behold the beauty of your glory, Lord. We thank you that your word is spirit and life, Lord, and we want to receive that tonight as we go through the scriptures, Father, that we would receive spirit and life, Lord, that we would receive uh, with, with meekness the, the, the engrafted word which is able to save our very souls. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight, and Lord, as we dig deep Lord, we thank you that we have a heart of expectancy tonight, that you will do great things and marvelous things in us, Lord, through your word. Lord, we ask that you would just bless this time of study and that you would uh, just have your way in us and through us, Lord. We thank you and we ask this and we agree for this in the mighty, magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So like, like I said, I thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Those of you guys that have come into the building, we thank you guys for showing up tonight. Uh, this is this is uh, uh, something that we hold dear and sacred here at the Building Christian Fellowship, which is to rightly divide the word, to really dig deep into the word. For those of you guys that have been following us or those of you guys that may have not been following us, we are continuing um, on through the journey, uh, journey through John. We've been going through the, the, the book of John, and the reason why we're doing that is because we want to just make it plain and simple and, and allow uh, God to reveal uh, who Jesus is to us, that we, we found out that Jesus is, is the word, that Jesus was in the beginning with God. He was the word um, and, and that, that, that he's the very definition of everything that has been created. And so uh, last week we took a break from that. We had Ask the Elders, so just a, a shameless plug to put out there. Those of you guys that, that have questions, you may, be, you may not 
you know, you may not know some things, whether it's, whether it's about the way that, that uh, God has ordained the order of church or what is worship all about or, or what, is, what, is, what is prayer about. Um, we encourage you guys to ask questions as, as you have them, as they come up. So every last Tuesday of the month, we are going to have Ask the Elders, and there'll be a different lineup every month of elders and leadership that are going to be uh, here at, on a panel answering questions that you might want to ask. So submit your questions to us on social media, on Facebook, or whether it's on IG. We ask that you guys tap in, tune in, and uh, participate, because we want you guys not just to come to church, we want you to become the church, and we're really serious about that. So as we've been journeying through the book of John, uh, we, we've been doing this um, in a means that, in hopes that those of you that are tuning in, that you, those of you guys that are digging in, those of you guys that are going through this study with us, that you guys are uh, being helped in developing a real relevant relationship with Jesus Christ. Because John gives us a very great illustration of who Jesus is. He, he shows us the, the, that Jesus was completely God and he was completely man. And so we're able to see uh, Jesus in a, in a different way that we don't get to see him in the other gospels. But uh, John displays the character and the attributes uh, and the essence of who Jesus is in such a way that when we do read the other gospels, we're able to have a greater understanding of who Jesus is. And so we've been carrying on in the, in, in the journey through John. And last the last time that we were in this study, we finished off with John chapter 8 where we're seeing that there's a, 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 a building tension between Jesus and the Pharisees. We're seeing that there's a building tension that is at a, at a boiling point that's, that's basically like at a boil where Jesus is, is having uh, this, this constant conflict with the religi religious leaders of the time. And so when we finished up in John chapter 8, the religious leaders were upset because Jesus showed up to the festival where everybody's at, and he's been teaching, and he, he makes the proclamation that he, before Abraham was, I am. And so when he's saying that I am, he's saying that, that before me there was none. And this is how John starts out the whole book by stating that Jesus in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, saying that, stating that Jesus was there before even the foundations of the earth was laid, that everything that, is, that we see around us, the all of creation, when we, when we look at the whole creation story, Jesus was there, and everything was made through him. And so being the fact that he made this proclamation openly in front of, in front of all of the people, and many came to believe on him because he spoke with such power, and he had done great miracles, the religious leaders were upset, offended, and wanted to, to stone Jesus to death. But they weren't allowed to because it wasn't yet his time. And so what we need to see here is that it's, it's, it's kind of ironic that the religious leaders who, who deemed themselves religious, they thought that they were right with God because they were, they were the keepers of the law, that though the fulfillment of the law was right there before their eyes, they couldn't see it. Or they were so, so repulsed by the sight of the fulfillment of the law that they became uh, antagonistic to the very, the very one who came to save them. And so a lot like us, a lot of us, we may, we may think that we're a lot different than 
the religious leaders of that time. But many of us, we fall into the same trap that, that we're, we're blind and we really can't see what's in front of our face a lot of times. Sometimes we fall in, we fall in love with the, the forms of worship rather than falling in, the love, in love with the one who we are to worship. Are you guys following? And so Charles Spurgeon says it like this. He says, I cannot endure the sight of God until I see him in Christ. And God cannot bear the sight of me till he sees me in Christ. You guys following? So Jesus came to be the great mediator between God and man. He came and said, the, the scriptures tell us that while we were yet enemies with God, God commanded his love toward us through Christ Jesus, reconciling us unto himself. And that's how, how, how uh, important a relationship with him was. Uh, God saw how important it was um, to, to bring us into himself, that he, he literally bankrupted all of his riches and gave us the, the means to be able to be reconciled to him by his son, Jesus. And so here we are in John chapter 9. We're picking up where we left off. And we see in verse 1, it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Verse 2. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? So I just want to make a quick side, sidebar on this. We've talked a lot over these, these past eight chapters about how Jesus is addressed. So in, in, we see that he's addressed as the word. We, we see that he's the light of the world. We see that he's the light who came into darkness. We saw that, that uh, people are, are seeing him as a healer and seeing him doing miraculous things. So the only way that they were able to associate someone who was able to do miraculous acts of God was that it was through the prophets. That was the only way that they had a reference of seeing a man walking the earth doing miraculous things that he was a prophet from God. So we see the woman at the well thinking that Jesus is a prophet because he's, he's prophesied to her and told her things that only she would know. Um, we see that, that Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and he, he, he approaches him as rabbi. And we see the disciples here who have, who have referred to him as Lord. And, and, and right now in verse two, we see them refer to him as rabbi. Now understand this, it's not in the sense or the, with the attitude or, or the, uh, the, the motive that the Pharisees mocked Jesus in calling him a rabbi or that they didn't really know and they just looked at Jesus as a great teacher. But when they're saying rabbi here, they're, they're actually referring to him as master. Right now, we need you to teach us and help us to understand this right here. Why is this man blind? Why was he born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? And so here it is. It says, it was not because, verse three, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Verse four, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. I need you guys to hold on to that. I am the light of the world. Verse 6, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go, wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. 
Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Amen. Something that we need to take note of, I don't know if you guys uh, remember, but uh, a few months back, I did uh, a message on Sunday, on a Sunday about vision, about 2020 vision. We were in 2020 and how regardless of the fact that you didn't foresee all of the events that took place in 2020, that God was actually conducting a, 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 a eye exam for us, an eye exam for the church. I don't know if you guys were here on Sunday or you able to turn, turn, tune in on Sunday, but there was a miraculous move that God had for, uh, for his body of believers here at the Building Christian Fellowship that was ushered in through the, the Elevate Youth Ministry. And so if you didn't tune in, you missed it, but I urge you to go back and look at the archives so you can, you can be blessed by it. But I believe that, that God is not done giving an eye exam to his church. Obviously, you see what we need to see here is that uh, vision and, and, and sight is something that was very significant to God. Why do you say that? I say that because when you look at the scriptures, there are more miracles of giving sight to the blind recorded of Jesus than any other category of healings. And I made reference to that in my, in my message that I did several months ago about the 2020 eye exam, that there are more miracles of giving of sight to the blind recorded of Jesus than in any other category of healings. So here it is, we see that the disciples viewed the man's condition as an indication of divine displeasure, but Jesus saw it as an opportunity for divine grace. Divine grace. So let's move on. Verse 8. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. The King, King James Version says, he said, I am he. I'm him. Ain't no question about it. It's me. It's me, y'all. Verse 10, they asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. Here we go. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God for he is working on the Sabbath. Do you see how ridiculous that sounds? Here it is that, that the only thing that they could accuse Jesus of this whole time, and this is, this is repetitive. I don't know how many times that, 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 this, that we've heard the same phrase, that he did it on the Sabbath, that he did it on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Verse 17, then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, 
What's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Here it goes. That's that reference. The point of reference that the people had up to this point was that only the prophets did miracles. So the Jewish leader still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents. They asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He is old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough. Ask him. Don't that just sound like, like some parents, like, I don't know, some parents out there, like, they, they, they can't wait to not be responsible for their kids no more, right? Like, they can't wait till, till you turn 18, then you're responsible for yourself. I don't have to keep answer, asking for you. I mean, for me, I don't have that, that type of feeling. I have, I have a 17-year-old that's on the verge, like, like another month he'll be 18, and, and, and no matter what, he's still going to be my baby. But here it is, you have these parents out of fear. And I think that's what it is for a lot of parents. Like a lot of parents, like I said, a lot of us are not any different than some of these people that we're reading about. A lot of us are not too far gone from some of these individuals. Out in, in certain circumstances, out of fear, we, we allow that to dictate the way that we answer to a circumstance or a situation that we're put in. And here it is, his parents, for fear of, of their connection of community, they're saying, don't, don't ask us, ask him. He's old enough to answer. And so, verse 24, for the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. He replies, I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. Something that we need to understand is that, you know, for many of us, that's what our journey is like in Christ, is that people aren't going to understand when we speak Christianese to them, right? Some people aren't going to understand that, that all of the things that, that God has done for you in transforming your life since you've come, come to him. And sometimes your, your answer can only be as simple as, I, I was once blind, but now I see like, I once walked in darkness, but now the light has come on. Sometimes that's as simple as it is. And even when you make it plain, as you're going to see, people still ain't going to understand because they refuse to. Verse 26, but what did he do, they asked. How did, how did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. 
We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. Here it is, he's preaching a sermon. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. This reminds me of a quote that George McDonald said. He says, to give truth to him who loves it not is but to give him more plentiful material for misinterpretation. Here it is that even from someone who has just been freshly delivered, gives them a message. Like they had no beef with this dude when he was blind and begging. But now all of a sudden they have a problem that he can see. And not only is it that he can see in the natural, but because of their reaction to his healing and his deliverance, he's beginning to see spiritually their deadened and sickened condition. That they, were, that they who, who are supposed to be leaders of, of the people are in a far off worse condition than he was when he was blind and begging. Verse 35, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the son of man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. It's interesting to me that, that, that this blind man who's just blind and begging, which I'm pretty sure he was never really probably allowed in the synagogue. Um, I'm not sure if his parents, uh, you know, they obviously were a part of the, the, the congregation that met at the synagogue regu regularly, and therefore they were, they were afraid of being kicked out and put out because of the Pharisees questioning him about their son. That's why they put the responsibility on him. But I'm not sure if they brought him with them when they went to worship or just left him on his own to, to beg and just figured that was going to be his lot in life for the rest of his life. And yet I can't... I can't help but think that maybe he heard like there was a yearning in his heart. And again, when we look at the fact that the disciples asked, Rabbi, why, was, it, was it this man's sins or was it his parents' sins? And Jesus responds and he says it was neither. It was so that the glory of God could be revealed in him. That, that I honestly believe that even in his blindness that God had placed the desire in him to be able to participate in real worship. That all these years that he sat there begging and not being able to see that he could still hear with the heart of purity, he could hear the forms of worship that were only forms of worship to those who went week after week and service after service in the synagogue, that he could hear it and wanted to participate in it in hopes that maybe one day, maybe not on this side of eternity, but that one day I would be able to enter in to that, that, that worship that, that in, in, in that intimacy with the true and living God. And here it is. It's revealed to him through the opening of his eyes 
naturally, and now it's being revealed to him in the opening of his spiritual eyes that Jesus reveals to him and says, do you believe? And he says, I want to believe. And he says, I'm talking to you right now. And he says, I believe. And he began to worship. He began to be able to put into practice all the things that he was only able to hear all these years that he was never, never able to see, but now he's able to see it and behold it with his eyes, that which he only heard with his ears. This blind man's pilgrimage from darkness to light is clear from the terms he used to describe Jesus. First, he called him the man called Jesus. Second, he referred to Jesus as a prophet. Third, he came to believe that Jesus was the prophet who had come from God. Check out how this is being revealed to him. He says the man named Jesus when the people, when his neighbors asked him about who it was that healed him. And then when he's walking in his healing, he, he sees that Jesus was a prophet because he knew that healing only came from the prophets. Remember, he's only heard about worship. He's only heard the scriptures. He knew that the prophets were healing people. But up until, up until like right before Jesus came, nobody was going around healing people for a long time. And here it is, this man, Jesus, is going about and he's healing and doing miracles. So he's like, oh, Jesus must be a prophet. And then when he's questioned by the, 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 the religious leaders of the time and being interrogated and having to repeat himself over and over again, the more that is being professed out of his mouth, what happened and what God did in his life, the more revelation he's getting. And so thirdly, he comes to believe that Jesus is not only a prophet, but that he's a prophet from God. Because the religious leaders were so adamant that Jesus wasn't from God. But he's like, no, I've heard this. I've heard it come out of your mouths in worship through the scriptures and the reading of the scriptures that God only operates, that God doesn't listen to sinners, that God operates through prophets and that his prophets are able to heal. So this man has to be from God. And as he's speaking it, he's getting greater revelation until finally he acknowledged Jesus as Lord. This man's progress from dark unbelief to the light of faith is very significant in the view that John is trying to, per- he's trying to paint for us through the scriptures. John's purpose for stating this is to bring his readers to believe that Jesus is the Christ and nothing less. That Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus wasn't just a prophet that Jesus wasn't just a good teacher, that Jesus wasn't just a good man who went about doing good and wanted to feed people and wanted to see them made well. No, that Jesus is the Christ by fulfilling all of these things. It shows that this process usually involves stages of illumination. It is also interesting that the problems that this man had with the Pharisees were what God used to open his eyes to who Jesus really was. It is often through difficulties that God teaches us more about himself. Remember, this man has been blind. All he's been able to do is hear what's going on. He's been blind since birth, so all he's been able to do is hear what's going on. And it reminds me of Job. It was a profession that Job said later on in his affliction. He says, I have heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. But now my eyes see you. So beloved, don't, don't, don't get upset when you're going through difficulties. Don't get upset 
I, I honestly believe when we when we saw Sunday service and we saw Elevate Youth Ministry operating and moving in the power of God, that the glory of God was in the house. And that it showed us a culmination of all of the things that God was able to accomplish through his church just within the last year. We, it, it looked like that we were depleted. It looked like that we were running on fumes. It looked like that, we, that our, all of our resources were paper thin, but it, it was just a, a matter of God being able to show us that I can do a lot with a little. It's like a multiplication through subtraction. Notice I didn't say division. It was a multiplication through subtraction. And I believe that's what God's been showing us through this pandemic, through all of this, this crisis that's been going on, all the turmoil that's been going on in the world, that he's been showing that like a lot of, a, a lot of the things that a lot of these churches that had multiple uh, uh, programs and things going on, that it's time to cut back because I need to show you what, what, what I really can do with you. That it's not the programs, it's not all the plans that you had, it's not all of the, the, the vision casting that you did. It's just getting back to the simplicity of being willing and giving, and giving me your obedience and your faith and seeing what it is that I can do through you. And so here it is we're seeing that this man is walking in revelation. That what he was only restricted to be able to hear, now he has been able to see. And not only with the natural sight, he was given insight and revelation into the mysteries of what he was only allowed to hear, which brings about an intimacy, which provoked in him the longing that was placed in there and that was fed, that, that his faith, he had the faith to be healed. Why? Because he was hearing. Are you guys following? Are you forgetting that, that, that faith comes by hearing? And hearing the word of God that, that all these years, what he thought was such a deficiency and, and, it, and was such a handicap to him, actually aided him in the deliverance that God had planned before the foundations of the earth was laid. That he spent all that time hearing and it was just feeding his faith, faith that he didn't even realize that he had until Jesus comes along, spits, in the ground, spits on the ground, rubs mud in his eyes and tells him to go and wash himself. And he's able to see. And almost immediately after being able to see, he preaches a sermon to those who were the re religious leaders of the time. And then he's cast out only to be received by the true and living God who reveals himself to him. And he responds in worship. Verse 39, then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some of the Pharisees who were eavesdropping, standing nearby, heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? Jesus responds, he says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. 
but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. And that's the end of the chapter. Like, like these last few chapters that we've gone through, like, in, like Jesus is like chopping them off at the knees, like every, every time. Like chopping them off at the knees. He says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. One of the things that I want, I want to refer to, because like some of you guys that have been following along, you heard me say that, that uh, prior to this in, in other chapters that Jesus didn't come in to judge. He didn't come in to bring judgment, but yet we see here that he just made a statement talking about judgment as he's talking to the man that he gave sight to. He says, I entered this world to render judgment. Well, why, how is it that, that Jesus didn't come for judgment, but he just tells this dude that, that he came to render judgment? What we need to understand is that judgment was the result of his coming, not the reason for it. Judgment was the result of his coming, not the reason for it. He didn't come to judge. John 3.17 tells us, remember, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, right? It's the people's unbelief that condemns them. Their, refuse, their refusal to, to believe is what condemns them. So remember when I told you guys to hold on to the, the, the statement that Jesus told us in verse 5, that he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. What we need to see here in the opening of blind eyes, what we need to see here in the, the significance of sight to God and why it's so important, again, giving of sight to the blind, restoration of sight to the blind is, is the, the most uh, recorded miracle that God has done in all of the scriptures, out of all of the healings that he's done. And so what we're finding out about the light of the world is that light causes some eyes to see. And in other cases, is blinding to other eyes. Light causes some eyes to see, but blinds other eyes. What are the eyes that are blinded by the light? Those that refuse to believe, those that love darkness. Those that love darkness. I don't know about you guys, like one of the, one of the, the things that I, I used to, one of the, the downsides of going to the movie theaters is when you walk and take the immediate exit outside and, you, and it's daytime. <laughs> like you go in, you go in for the matinee and you get used to sitting in the darkness and then you exit out to the immediate exit outside and it's daylight, it's like bright daylight and you like, like a vampire. That's the blinding light. That's what it is for, for, for the unbelievers. It's like they'll, they'll come and they'll see the light and then they'll shrink back into darkness because they love darkness rather than light. Why? Because they don't want to be exposed. They don't want to be exposed. So light causes some eyes to see, but it's blind, it blinds other eyes. One of the things that, that we need to see is it reminds me um, of... This, this real story about uh, this group that traveled, um, they climbed Mount Everest. And uh, you can find the story in, in this book called in, Into Thin Air. And so uh, Michael Harris 
was this dude that that climbed with this expedition to to uh, Mount Everest, and they got to the top, and they had to. They were like, "We gotta hurry up and turn back and go back because this storm is coming in. We're 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 low on oxygen. We need to get back down. Um, we we can't we can't linger." And for some reason, he wanted to linger a little bit longer than the rest of the party. So they were like, "All right, man, don't stay too long. Hurry up." So they went down before him. They, they uh, you know, a ways down, they left an extra tank for him that had a little bit of oxygen in it for him to make, him, make it the rest of the way because they were like, he didn't have enough oxygen to, to make it all the way down. So they left some for him. And so what happens is he gets there and he's starting to run low on oxygen. Like he's, he's losing his mind. And they're, they're, they're calling to him. They're like, man, you should have made it there by now. What's going on? And, and, and he's like, man, there's, there's not enough oxygen here. You guys didn't leave me enough oxygen. He's, he's arguing with them. They're like, no, there's enough oxygen. Just put it on and, and make, start making your way down the mountain. Well, long story short, they go keep going back and forth. And the problem was is that he had ran out of so much oxygen that the lack of what he needed so disoriented his, his mind that though he was surrounded by a restoring supply, he continued to complain of its absence. The very thing he held in his hand was absent in his brain and ravaged his capacity to recognize what he was clutching in his grasp. Here it is, we see the, the, the religious leaders of the time who were right there with the light but were so blinded by it that they couldn't realize that that was the light that they needed. And so many of us are the same. Many of us are, are like the Pharisees who we don't really take a notice. Like, it's, it's there, it's, there's that, that thing of, of you're so close to the forest that you can't see the trees. I mean, think about the fact of, of those that, that were in the crowd that were standing at the foot of the cross, not realizing or recognizing what was going on. Near but yet so far. And here it is, it'd be a shame for us who, who claim that we can see, but in actuality, the sight that we believe we possess is actually blindness. And here it is, we see that Jesus is telling, telling the Pharisees, he says, if, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But because you claim that you can see, you've brought judgment on yourself. Lord forbid that it be any of us in, in, in this body of believers that are blind because we're professing that we can see. During this time of, of, of year, we, we did a fast, and, and I'm praying that, that we took advantage of it and we literally humbled ourselves, that we didn't, that we didn't blind ourselves in, in believing that, that our works are what, what made us righteous or that we, we got another uh, you know, brownie point with God because we did the fast, but that we actually used it as a time of humbling ourselves before God so that he could get better use out of us. That we could, we could uh, put aside ourselves so that way he could be seen in us. Like 
what I started with tonight, tonight's quote with, with Spurgeon, when he said that I cannot behold Christ or I cannot behold God unless I see him in Christ. Why? Because his glory is so blinding that he had to wrap himself in flesh and humble himself and be like one of us and live amongst us so he could show us what God really intended from the beginning. And it is not until that we completely surrender, deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow after him that God can look down upon us and see that we have been conformed into the image of his son. I want to close with this. Spurgeon also said, he said, God grant if we must have two eyes that they may be both clear ones. One, the eye of faith, wholly fixed on Christ. The other, the eye of obedience, equally and wholly fixed on the same objective. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray tonight. Lord, we ask that your light would shine not only upon us, Lord, but in us. Lord, that our, our light would be so bright, Father, that it would not be blinding to those that, that, uh, to those that are around us, Lord, but that, that it would be revealing, Lord, that it would reveal your glory to them. Lord, that we would be able to be a witness, Lord, that we would be a beacon of hope in the midst of darkness. Father, that we would have eyes, Lord, as, as, as Spurgeon spoke, Lord, that we have eyes that are clear, that we would possess the eye of hope that is completely fixed on you, and that we would have an eye of obedience that is equally fixed on you, Father. Lord, that we would be, just as Jesus requested of you, that we would be one as you and he are one. Father, that we would uh, be one, one body, fitly joined together. Lord, that we would be there for one another to bear each other's burdens. Father, that we would be there for one another, confessing our faults toward one to, one, to, another, to one another, Lord. That we would be able to uh, be who it is that you have called us here in this earth, Father. That we would not be those who get caught up in civilian affairs, Lord, but that we would be fixed Lord, that we would be fixed and set on the path that you have set for us, Lord. That we would keep our eyes towards the higher calling, Lord. That we would forget all that is behind us and press toward the mark that you have set before us, Lord. That we would be revealers of your glory here in this earth. Father, we ask that you would let us be like the blind man, Lord, that we would allow ourselves to be a testament of your goodness and your glory here in this earth, Lord. And Lord, that as, we, as you reveal yourself to us, that we would respond with a heart of worship. Father, we thank you that you have given us courage in the face, in, in the face of fear, Lord. That you have given us grace where sin abounds. Lord, that you have given us faith where there is unbelief, Lord. And that you have given us love that casts out all fear. Lord, we thank you for leading us and guiding us. Lord, we thank you for filling us with your light, Father, that we may be able to go into darkness because your, dark, because your light cannot be overcome by darkness and it can't be comprehended by darkness. Father, we thank you for calling us to be victorious. You have called us to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. 
Lord, we thank you for this and we agree for this. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.